Yeah, that's not deal. fun, is it? <laughs> I don't know. Aaron Rodgers and Levy on Bell playing together would be pretty oh, fucking yeah, but, I mean, fun to watch. Free free agent acquisition. We're going to draft like seventy-two mediocre white linebackers. Yeah, that's true, yeah. So, hello, and welcome to All Four Quarters, your one-stop shop for news, views, and overreactions to all things NFL. This week we're going to take a look at a couple of the bits of news and some interesting trades from around the league as well as some firings. We're going to look at last week's games, take questions from the listener and look at the games for next week. So hey, we got Connor here, we got Harry. Hello. And we've got Ronan. Hello. How are we getting on lads, any crack? Mm, nah. <laughs> all fired up for the presidential election, are you? Oh yeah, I've got my voting card in. Uh, I like the tactical move that Peter Casey has made of... Uh, Deciding to now alienate his small 1% of the voting population by going after the dogs. Yeah, it's uh, like, you know, I, I get it. Look, you're, you're going to be an anti-Semite. You're going to be a racist against the travelers. You're going to slam poor people. I get what you're doing. Nobody likes it, but we get what you're doing. Attacking dogs and attacking dogs for being foreign breeds. Yeah, like, where are these dogs' passports? Yeah. That's, that's, that's all it's Peter a, Casey's a asking. Burmese mountain dog, uh, not an Irish mountain dog. For, for our American listeners, the Irish presidential election is on. It is a very much a figurehead, kind of semi-diplomatic kind of role uh, and one of the guys who was polling at about 1% decided to go and be racist against travellers uh, hate on poor people has a history of other stuff as well and then decided to, last night to release a video asking about the ethnicity of the dogs owned by the current president and said it's a disgrace that he has Burmese mountain dogs who look cool as shit by the way uh, instead of having Irish wolfhounds so uh, yeah it's, it's, it's clearly a very serious race to be contended uh, what about yourself Ronan how's Cork? It's already about blasphemy uh, one uh, in the end. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. we've got a referendum on blasphemy as well. Forgetting about that. We're a modern the country. Irish, the Irish politics uh, NFL podcast. Yeah, it's a perfect one. We'll uh, we'll do it. We'll do a full rundown in the off season on the politics podcast. <laughs> and Cork is fine, by the way. We'll be having a jazz festival this weekend. Excellent. Uh, That's when the. I might go see them. Maybe we'll see. Very nice. Yeah, uh, pretty quiet down here in Cork. Very good, very good. Yeah, been quite enough up here. Uh, got a few bits in work to do and heading down to uh, Kerry for the weekend this weekend. Oh, lovely. Really good. Um, and I think the Matins Parade is up in Dublin this Monday coming, so I'm probably going to pop along to that and that's on. So I suppose we'll fly in and look at some of the bits from around the league this week. Uh, kicking off, uh, probably the main big news story be Arizona fired offensive coordinator Mike McCoy and promote quarterbacks coach Byron Lethwich. Uh, after a terrible start to the season. Uh, this is a team that has talented players there. They've got David Johnson, they've got Larry Fitzgerald, uh, they've got a rookie quarterback who is, big, I think he put up like three fantasy points last week, which kind of says it all, really. Um, they have not been able to find any rhythm here at all, so hopefully this type of change will bring that about. I believe Leftwich is ran like Bruce Arian's system he was a quarterbacks coach in that or something along those lines so the hope would be to be able to recapture some of the magic they had when Carson Palmer was still the quarterback there do we think this is a move that's going to see results immediately or is this just a action needed to be taken and McCoy was just the first name at the top of the list when things are this bad and you have an offensive scheme that was this one dimensional I believe they had like oh like I think like sixty percent of all their runs were down the middle with yep. a running back like David Johnson, who's generally 
associated with you know being good on the outside, being a good pass catching back. It just felt like this is a scheme that's from the Stone Age, it's from the John Fox Age, the Jeff Fisher Age of like offensive scheming. And you know, Man, this Arizona team dreams of seven and nine. <laughs> It's the second year in a row that McCoy has been fired for basically doing this, making terrible offenses that are basically offensive uh, to you know good football. Um, and I suppose with Byron Leftwich, he is a Bruce Arians acolyte. Bruce Arians apparently had a really high opinion of him, thought he would be a great defensive coordinator as he's leaving Arizona. That's what he said. Um, so the hope is is that he can implement something more like the you know. Um, air attack that Bruce Arians is known for, a very aggressive play calling. And that kind of suits Josh Rosen because he's had faults in his first few weeks, but the one thing he has shown is a willingness to stay in the pocket and throw the ball downfield mm. and make plays uh, when possible. Whether the offensive line is good enough to actually allow that to happen is another question, but I think it's very hard to get any worse than it was there. Uh, as it has been there for the first seven weeks of the season. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. Uh, Harry, like, what do you think the turnaround for this Arizona team could be? I know that we don't believe that they can compete in any way this yeah. season, but like, what we, is, is this just to look towards future development for the rookie quarterback, Rosen? Yeah, like I'm, I'm sceptical of, of this, and I know people are looking back and thinking, oh, yeah, the Bruce Arians thing, and it's like the, they haven't had a winning season for the last two seasons before this. So it's not like they were exactly world-beating under Arians. They had a very good run, and then they sort of really tapered off very quickly. So I would pump the brakes a bit on the expectations for Leftwich. With that said, I don't think it can get worse. Yeah. Um, the insipid, uninspired defense... Uh, sorry, offense. Well, and defense, actually. Both sides of the ball that we saw from Arizona over the first seven weeks of the season has just been depressing and hard to watch and ugly, unattractive football that has not got them results um, you'd hope some change will be better than this it, like I said it can't really get worse I'm not I don't expect there's going to be a miracle turnaround this season but I think that if they start as Ronan says working into a scheme that's more suited to Rosen's talents working into things that are more suited to David Johnson's talents this team has a chance to uh, not really compete but I think there's a chance to lay some building blocks yeah. and say right look there's no point in having a rookie thrown to the walls and torn to pieces and to be honest I think there's actually an argument for benching Rosen at this point um, personally could which, be just from the sake of he's getting killed out there yeah um, bring Bradford back and, and, and let him take the punishment and then next year where we have something to actually work with bring him back in but we'll see yeah it could be like one of the problems that we always see happen to young quarterbacks is when they swap around their offensive coordinators and not uh, a lot on schemes a lot so we'll see because this will be his second scheme and then potentially if this doesn't work out there'll be changes in the offseason so we'll see how it settles in uh, on to the injuries we had a couple of season injury uh, season enders or potential season enders so Tampa Bay's linebacker Quan Alexander has torn his ACL and has gone for the season Oakland's running back Marshawn Lynch has tore his core muscles and he's on IR but has a possibility of returning why you'd ever want to return to that Oakland team is beyond me <laughs> uh, Miami have had uh, Albert Wilson injure his hip they seem likely the season but we're waiting on clarification and Kenny Stills groin is apparently week to week uh, New Orleans Ted Ginn has done his knee and he's on the IR with the potential to return so I think obviously the biggest like impact player here is probably Quan Alexander but that's not a team that's necessarily an impact team yeah I think that's probably fair I'm, I think Quan Alexander is a, a great player at PD suspensions early in his career side and he was a very important part of that linebacking core he's, already, he's on course for another 100 tackle season I think um and we have seen now, in fairness, we have seen Tampa Bay get a little bit better over the last few weeks, so that might be more to do with the quality of opponents than anything else that they've been facing. 
this is still a very big blow. Like the depth behind him is not great. He's a very important player, and even if he isn't the like greatest middle linebacker in the world, he's one of those guys who can just sort of do everything pretty okay and is extremely like high motor or whatever you want to call yeah. it. Uh, he's, he's everywhere, and I think when you take that away from this, and you take away a guy who also was like calling calling defensive plays and so on at uh, points in his career. It's a real concern. Like this is a team that has struggled to uh, stop the run at times this season. I think this is where you're looking at that being having the biggest impact. Yeah. Um, this is this is a this is a blow. But like you said, Tampa Bay are not going anywhere. So I think it's just going to make a bad season to a worse one. I don't think it's going to have any critical impact there. No, of course. We'll discuss the Miami guys, uh, Albert Wilson and Kenny Stills, when we get down to controversy corner, because I think it ties nicely into uh, some issues that are going on there with Devontae Parker. Is there anyone else that stands out to you on that list there, Fitz? Or? Like, Marshall Lynch, like, it just makes that Oakland team even sadder. It's okay in the first half of the season, and now they're going to be bringing out Jalen Richard and Coke Martin. And as an Oakland fan... It really is hard to see how it could get worse. Oh, yeah. Well, we'll he's managing to do so, and we'll talk about that in the traits as well, I imagine. Yeah, I think we will. Uh, other bits of injury news. So Sonny Michelle had a very horrible-looking knee or ankle injury, I think it was, uh, but it turns out that it's not as bad as we thought, uh, according to the MRI scans today, so they expect he's week-to-week. We'll probably miss the upcoming week, but they reckon we'll be back after that. Minnesota's cornerback Xavier Rhodes has an ankle sprain. Royce Freeman, the running back for Denver, has an ankle sprain as well. Uh, Kiki Kute, the uh, wide receiver for Houston, has a hamstring injury. And uh, Donald Payne, the linebacker for Jacksonville, has an MCL sprain. So they're all going to be a couple of weeks. Um, Nothing too serious in the bunch, thankfully, at least for those uh, when we kind of hit this midsection of the season. Does anyone stand out to you? Yeah, like I think Xavier Rhodes is interesting because they lost their uh, rookie uh, a couple of weeks ago, so that means they're very thin in that secondary. Mm-hmm. Now, for defense, which is underperformed, the, the Vikings like they could still be letting a lot of points in in the, in the, in the new weeks if Xavier Rhodes is out for any significant amount of time. Uh, Sonny Michel uh, was lucky it seemed based on what it looked like initially, uh, but I'm sure all the New England fans are happy that he'll be hopefully back uh, sooner rather than later. Yeah. A really good start to the season me too crippling several of my fantasy football teams <laughs> by not being playing <laughs> uh, controversy corner Eric Reed and Malcolm Jenkins had a bit of a discussion on the field uh, I think was it during the uh, the coin toss, coin toss at the start yeah uh, he came on for the Carolina Philly game uh, he says uh, Reed is claiming that Jenkins has kind of co-opted and sold out the uh, the kneeling movement and, uh, and, and the Colin Kaepernick's kind of uh, social awareness stuff this is interesting uh like i don't know a huge amount about what they what what was underlying this to be honest uh do you want to talk us through it yeah it was through the furniture the negotiation with the owners when that happened at the time um if you remember this was this was actually a, a while back uh when they had the big thing it all kind of broke down Mm-hmm. Um, and some of the players said that they didn't want to go through with it, and some of them said that they did. Jenkins is in the camp that did, and Reed was in the camp that didn't. Um, I also think there's possibly a personal element that for Reed, and this is speculating, but I think there is perhaps that Jenkins didn't speak out on his behalf when he would believe he was being blackballed by the league. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so I think there may be a personal aspect to that when Jenkins had very much sort of positioned himself as being the face of this. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, it's incredibly stupid. Like they need, if they want to get anything out of this, they need to stay unified, and this kind of fighting just. Yeah, plays into the hands of people who want to 
tell them all to, well, not sit down, I suppose, stand up and shut up. Yeah, no, of course. Uh, in addition to this, reports also came out that Rihanna turned down the Super Bowl halftime show in solidarity with the uh, the protest movement, uh, which unfortunately, I'm not going to lie, I understand Rihanna taking a stand here, but if that means that I have to listen to fucking Maroon 5 for an entire halftime show, I just it's, it's unacceptable. We're just going to have to get really, really <laughs> drunk. Yeah, like, like really like cold play drunk. Yeah, it's like oh oh good god yeah that cold play one was brutal. Um, but yeah, Devontae uh, Parker's agent is getting a bit riled up now. Uh, so the Dolphins have had him uh, listed as not available to practice, that claiming he was injured. His um, agent is claiming that he's actually fine. Uh, says the Gase is incompetent. Uh, doesn't know why his why he's being made inactive wants him to be able to come out and play things they're not getting production from the wide receivers and essentially saying uh, you guys are all morons release my player and let him go to a team that wants to play him he's not actually injured uh, fuck you guys this is a yeah. bit of a weird spot isn't it I, I, I don't think I've ever really come across a team keeping a guy on like an injury designation just to avoid playing him when they don't really have anything at that position. Well, like with injury designations, like if you choose not to play them, you can say there's some injury thing. Like it's, you know, it's a cliche, but the, the general idea is that all players are playing hurt. It's just a matter of playing through it. So you can always find probably yeah. something that the NFL would consider an injury-like situation that they can do this. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's, a, it's a really unfortunate situation for Miami who obviously are to going into a little bit of a tailspin right now, um, under like oh, accepting Brock Lobster's uh, one week uh, quarterback now thankfully over, mm-hmm. um, and it just kind of speaks to you know a talented former first round pick um, kind of being left on the sideline and being replaced by you know Albert Wilson, Kenny Stills, Danny Amendola. These are hardly you know world beaters here. What's interesting now, of course, is that actually Stills. And, and like Stills likely and Wilson almost certainly won't be playing in Thursday Night Football this week mm-hmm. uh, and that means that they're going actually I think Gaze is indicating he's going to activate Devontae Parker to play this week because they're so short-handed at the position of Fizzy Dan, Danny Amendola and like Mike Gesicki and that's about it <laughs> so that's like, an elite group Devontae Parker probably an opportunity to put himself in the shop window because I think if your agent is talking like this you're pretty much you know, they're pretty much agitating for a trade to get you to a place where the coaching staff appreciates you. It could just be a case that Gase's scheme doesn't fit to Parker, who's more of a deep threat. Um, but like, for whatever reason, it hasn't worked out. Um, but he'll have his chance to kind of up trade value in the upcoming game this Thursday. Yeah, we'll have a look and see whether or not he shows anything in that game. Uh, there's also substantial rumours that uh, Cleveland head coach Hugh Jackson will be let go very shortly. Some are saying possibly before the bye week. Um, yeah, he seems to be throwing his like toys out of the pram uh, came out afterwards and kind of said well uh, maybe I'll take a bit more control of the of the offense again trying to put the blame onto his offensive coordinator uh, has complained about several bits and pieces whereas like let's be honest it's it's never really a time to start issuing ultimatums direct or indirect whenever you're a coach who has won what three games in the last three seasons yeah I, what baffles me and this just baffles me is like and maybe it's a sunk cost fallacy but it's like why are you letting him go now? Why didn't you do this a year ago? Well, we could 
So the, like almost the exact same thing about the Josh Gordon trade that yeah, they just held him for a week and then just got rid of him. But it's a bit baffling. But I mean, let's got a fifth round pick with Josh Gordon. I mean, this just to me this makes. I this mean, just in the New England Patriots trade a second round pick for Hugh, Hugh Jackson. Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! But no, seriously, um, this just makes no. I mean, it makes sense. Then yeah, like the team is crap and needs a better head coach. And we know Hugh Jackson can't work with the talent around him. We know that he's failed as a head coach. But the timing just is so weird to me. It's like why did why now why not? Yeah. Before I, I get losing to Tampa Bay is pretty embarrassing. Oakland is pretty embarrassing, mm-hmm. but like the team is finally showing something more than it's shown in the past. It, it just I just don't understand why this decision wasn't made in the off season or even a year. Yeah, hundred percent. And I reckon I presume you're with me on this one. It's going to probably be Todd Haley who takes over. Oh God. Okay. Oh yeah, and like hopefully he's matured in the intervening years. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Hopefully he's matured since he like broke his pelvis in a bar fight yeah, the off season. that was last year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was in like February. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, Pittsburgh. Excellent. So we'll move on. Crime and punishment. What are they doing? It's probably felonies. Uh, Denver backup quarterback. Now, I only just heard about this when we were coming on there today. Quarterback Chant Kelly has been charged with first-degree criminal trespassing on Tuesday morning. Fitz, do you want to tell us about this? Yeah, so this is breaking news as we're recording, but all the reports indicate that he was picked up this morning. He was Initially, the police were called because there was a male uh, loitering outside a building. Next thing they know, uh, according to the report, he was inside the building, and then he was chased out of the building by the occupant, and then picked up by the police later on. Like At this point, we don't really have any additional information beyond that basic uh, profile given by the... Uh, Colorado uh, Police uh, Department, um, but you know Swag Kelly, he has a somewhat checkered past <laughs> in terms of activities such as this. So let's see. Yeah, this is there, but uh, you know all the Swag Kelly truthers out there, unfortunately, including yourself, Connor, have now been mm. greatly disappointed that this probably means the end of the Swag era before it even. Oh yeah, I just I just really like the idea of like them starting. I just I, just, I love I love the idea of like the amount of Denver fans who yeah. seem to believe that he was going to be the like their savior this... and would prove that John Elway knows how to draft quarterbacks like that he's subtly like that seventh one that he picked this, up. This is such an act of self destruction. It's like the the fans wanted a change at quarterback and blah, 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 and it's like oh yeah I know what I'll do. Oh, fuck. Like criminal trespassing. It's really? a weird one. It's a weird one. Uh, we'll see. Obviously, that'll develop. Uh, there'll probably be more news about this out by the time that you're hearing this podcast. So uh, check it up. It's interesting. Uh, trades, extensions, signings, cuts, etc. We've had a couple of moves because we're coming up close to the trade deadline. Uh, Dallas have traded a 2019 first round pick for wide receiver Amari Cooper from Oakland. Uh, this is a big surprise. Um, as I was saying to Harry just before we came on air, this now means that. Uh, <laughs> The Oakland Raiders have three times as many first-round picks next year as they do wins this year, which is a (laughs) fantastic way of looking at how they're turning that franchise around. Dallas inexplicably gives up a first-round pick for previous Pro Bowler Armani Cooper, who has had uh, a severe case of the drops, not performed properly in about two years, and had very almost identical numbers to Des Bryant last year. So now they have him, uh, they've given away their first-round pick. He's going to cost them... Very little this year. Going to cost him them about twelve and a half million next year. Um, I it's a, it's a bit of a confusing one. Uh, does this make sense to anyone? No, no, this doesn't make sense. Well, I mean, like, it probably makes sense to John Gruden when he got a first round pick yeah. dropped into his lap. So like, this I'll, sack I'll, of I'll, I'll give them that because we've made fun of what the Raiders have done so far. They made a fucking killing off this because there's no way Amari Cooper is worth a fucking what first round. Earth pick. were the Cowboys thinking? Like this is not Amari Cooper is not worth a first round pick at all. Like, just to give it, 
the, the PR spin at the moment is, you know, he's 24 years old, only a year older than Calvin Ridley. He's a former pro bowler, all these type of things. But, like, I think pretty much everyone in the league is saying, like, you could get a better wide receiver. If you rang yes. up every offense in the league and asked, who can I get for first-round pick? could get like probably 10 or so better wide receivers yeah, offered. I was, I was saying, if you called up Denver, given that they're now currently shopping everyone that's out there, you could have probably got Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders for that first round pick. Like, <laughs> <laughs> fucking baffling. This isn't going to fix any and, of Dallas's problems. That, and of course, just to mention that leaves like Martavis Bryant, like Jordy Nelson, Seth Roberts to catch the ball in Oakland. Jordan Cook and... Jared, yeah, Jared, Jared Cook Jared and... Cook, Jared Cook, Richard. Uh, yeah, and they've got um, Muscle Hamster leading their backfield. Yeah, yeah. Sad, sad times. Another storm in Oakland where there's rumours that the locker room's turned against Derek Carr. Yeah. So Oakland is just like... like I always heard of John Gruden was spreading that rumour because that organisation is a complete fucking... Oh, it's horrendous! <laughs> it You're is. loving this, aren't you? Oh, Connor? I'm loving it. It's great. <laughs> but the thing is, like the thing though is, like like I said, they've now got they've got I think five first round picks across the next two years. Uh, they have like this upcoming draft is meant to be fantastic for defensive line and some of the some of the um, edge positions and stuff like that. Like you could see them being able to build something, turn around. The only thing is that, like from what I gather, they fuck all at like quarterback in at least this draft and potentially the one afterwards. Like it's, I think John Gruden's point. It's kind of if you could combine Hugh Jackson and Sashi Brown into a single individual and them in charge of an organization. That's what John Gruden's doing right now. Mm, interesting. So this is the mind meld the Browns were going for. Mm, interesting. Yeah. Uh, Jacksonville traded 2019 fifth round pick for Carlos Hyde from Cleveland. New Orleans traded a fourth round pick and a seventh for Eli Apple from New York Giants. I didn't. I didn't even realize that one had happened. Uh, San Francisco. Yeah, just breaking news right now. Yeah, San Francisco signed Tom Savage. Tom Savage. Is is real and uh, Colin Lore has got an erection here yeah. and there, New York Jets released uh, wide receiver Terrell Pryor which is interesting because apparently it's due to like a groin injury but now he's immediately said that he's fine again and he'll play for anyone else and they've signed uh, Richard Matthews um, so any of these guys jump out to you obviously the Carlos Hyde thing means that Cleveland are moving on to Chubb as the lead back uh, and Jacksonville obviously it's a worrying implication for Fournette yeah, uh, Chubb looked okay, to be fair, last week. The Jacksonville thing is, is uh, Jacksonville are <laughs> just there's a bit of a mess going on, which we'll discuss later, mm-hmm. I think, anyway. Um, this is a confusing move, um, unless it, Fournette's injury is much, much worse than we expected. Mm-hmm. Um, hello. Sorry, we'll clip up. Um, there's a real sense of frustration, I think, around, like, nobody really knows what's going on with Fournette right now. Yeah. Um, and we can even see the coaching staff were um, Rome was frustrated when he was asked about it in the week, just fed up with having to talk about it. Mm-hmm. So I think we're really in a position where I, I don't know, is Hyde going to be the fix? And then what happens if Fournette does come back and then you've got like a very expensive backup? And it, well, they've released Jamal Charles. Oh, they've released Jamal Charles. We yeah. shed a single, shed a single <laughs> tear for Jamal Charles. But this is just weird. And I, I don't think... I, it, it's just a very surprising move, basically. Yeah. Um, I'm not, and the thing is, Youngman was playing okay. Yeah. Uh, caught that uh, caught that bizarre uh, pass in the end zone yeah it was yeah um, New Orleans obviously picking up Eli Apple is just breaking news for us now that seemed like this This is Eli Apple's played a little bit better this year than previously or than the, like he's not physically assaulting his teammates I think this year um, that seems like a lot to give up for what was essentially like a failed pick that was nearly out of the building in the off season 
But like it's very obvious in New Orleans feel like they're in win now mode. You see the aggressive trade they made for Marcus Davenport in the, in the draft. Uh, you see some of the other moves that they made. I think this is just a situation where they lost Patrick Robinson to IOR earlier this season, and they obviously don't, don't trust people like PJ Williams mm-hmm. at step up. And like Eli Apple, yes, he's had a lot of issues in the past, but actually had a one of his better seasons thus far. Yeah. And obviously New Orleans are like. Obviously, this kind of one of the context that there are rumors that they were being linked with Patrick Peterson, who's obviously agitating for a move out now. Yeah. It's that, that those rumors are not going to come to fruition because you imagine Patrick Peterson wants to play for a team like the Saints, who are great. Um, so it, it's, it was a need for them. Their defense definitely was a bit weak on the secondary. Uh, whether it'll turn out to be a good move in the long run, I don't know. But Saints are win now, and you know you pay whatever you have to to win now. Yeah. And, the situation breeds and that those rookies kind of at their peak right now yeah as you mentioned there Patrick Peterson has requested a trade out of Arizona he wants them to trade him by the deadline next week um, this is interesting as you said New Orleans was being linked with them heavily this kind of takes them out of the running now they've given up draft capital for Eli Apple um, it's an interesting one because I know that the Chiefs have been linked quite heavily with the Patrick Peterson one as well if they could get his hands on and that would make a bit more sense uh, for Arizona at least because it would be out of divi- out of uh, out of conference and everything like that but um, I'm just shocked that everyone else in Arizona also hasn't requested a trade <laughs> yeah it's true it's true uh, because the thing is like they're going to have nothing left there we'll discuss it obviously later on whenever we're kind of knocking people out of contention I think we'll probably do that in about a week or so we'll just do a review and <laughs> yeah. just go like right the following teams are cut uh but yeah, so they, we'll, we'll probably discuss that because I think we have a question about this in from one of the listeners. But yeah, Patrick Peterson requesting a trade is an interesting setup. And the only other bit that we wanted to mention was Adam Thielen uh, matches a seven-game record of over 100 yards to start a season. I think that uh, if he gets it next week, he equals Calvin Johnson at uh, eight weeks in a row to open a season of scoring that. So that's very impressive uh, for him. And I suppose with that, we will move on to our review of the games from last week. Okay, so first up in the Ring of Honor, we have New Orleans at Baltimore, 24-23. I think this was my pick for Game of the Week last week. A very exciting one. Uh, New Orleans got it out at the very end. Uh, Strong offense, very ballsy play calling. If you want to see ballsy play calling, watch the first two drives of this game. I think they went for it on fourth down three times, including a fake punt. Um, It was very impressive. Baltimore lose on a missed point after uh justin tucker misses his first ever point after i believe it was yeah, first since high school. school since high school wow that is impressive um as we he, said he looked more surprised than we did yeah it's it there's a fantastic gif of him with his eyes boggling out of his head and um, we saw a surprising amount of like the kind of the, the the battle of the backup quarterback gadget players as well with both Taysom hill and lamar jackson coming in i believe you had a had a striking piece of analysis about lamar jackson coming in and then it was immediately countered the it was like Taysom hill actually. it was like Taysom hill Taysom hill always keeps it on the option and then he didn't <laughs> the first time this season as soon as i said it Taysom hill did not keep it on the yeah, so it was, it was an interesting one. Two teams who I think we're both now expecting to be seeing in the back end and into January. Uh, like the strength of this was the number one offense versus the number one defense, and we saw both teams really show what they can do with both of those units. Uh, I honestly, to an extent, thought that Baltimore should have won this game myself uh, on balance. But uh, you know, I, I I do love a I do love a sad Justin Tucker. <laughs> uh, so, 
So, Fitz, what's your takeaway from this? Like, New Orleans obviously got it out with a nice kind of bit of balance on their offense, and their defense obviously performed well enough because Baltimore were looking good. Is this a show of, like, what this team could be even on the road in a tough environment? Is it something that makes you think, yeah? Yeah, like, obviously I've been high on the Saints uh, since preseason. I had them as my Super Bowl winner pick. Uh, and after a, you know, confusing week one loss to Tampa Bay, they've righted the ship got Mark Ingram back and suddenly they've kind of reverted kind of looking like that offense that we saw last year a balanced offense in which Drew Brees wasn't expected to carry the entire load like he did you know he only had to throw for 200 yards and two touchdowns 22 attempts in this game and that's kind of much more what we saw last year rather than what we saw with like him turning into old Drew Brees earlier in the season and Alvin Kamara being absolutely ridiculous I think the one difference like you're right like I think Baltimore dominated did really well in the first half and the difference was, in the end, was that the New Orleans Saints had Drew Brees and the Baltimore Ravens had Joe Flacco. Now, Joe Flacco had a very good drive on the last drive, but I think mm-hmm. if you're talking about someone who can get you back into it's one of the best defenses in the entire NFL, then Drew Brees is one of the few quarterbacks who can do that, and he showed he could do that efficiently and really well in the back end of this, back end of this game. I think that just kind of shows that, like, you know, like when you when your like backup plan is well your backup from your A plan is well Drew Brees go out and be great when you have a Hall of Fame quarterback you can get away with that and that's you know really promising for the Saints like to be fair the Saints did drop some points particularly on that first drive where they decided not to kick a field goal from like five yards out mm-hmm. so down one last time because reasons but I think as a Saints fan coming out of a situation like this and like where very few teams are going to win in Baltimore this season. Uh, puts you gives you that, just that edge over what is a Carolina team that we'll talk about who are on your coattails. I think right now you have to feel really good as a Saints team, and I feel mm-hmm. that this balanced offense and an improving defense can continue to make this. Uh, along with the Rams, the favourite in the NFC. Yeah, so like we saw the Baltimore defence come in here and slow down because this New Orleans team was averaging a lot more points than this. Mm-hmm. Like to hold to hold them to like two touchdowns from Drew Brees is obviously a, a, a good showing from them. We saw some bits from their offence, but as, as as Roman said, there it wasn't really there was the there wasn't the spark of like necessarily playoff elite Flacco that they might need sometimes, but like. Like I said, like this is a loss by a point that they could have had it tied up and gone to overtime in a spot where they were having the momentum against the top offense in the league and like we say, kind of a, a, a Super Bowl favorite or second favorite from the NFC. Like Baltimore have to be taking a lot of positives from this. Yeah, I think so. Um like this team is is tough. Like they're a very tough team. That's what you want. You're the AFC North, blah blah blah, but it's what they've become. And you look at the ability this team has in pursuit and in the linebackers and like Ingram and Kamara both had fairly unimpressive carry totals and against better sorry worse quarterbacks than Drew Brees they probably would have won this game mm-hmm. um, there's a real sense though that this team can't win big it, it, they get into like when they come up against good teams, they'll give them ugly fights, but whether or not they can win those big games, that's it. Like, this is a team that's looked like... It's a team you don't want to play. It's a team you look at and you're like, I don't want to run into in the playoffs. That defense is nasty. CJ Mosley is everywhere. Terrell Suggs is still getting it done. They've got talent on the back end. They've got talent on the line. But they're not actually winning that many games. They're 4-3. and three. Mm-hmm. They're probably going to make the playoffs, but very possibly as a wild card. That division is very competitive right now. 
Um, nobody wants to play them, but this does not, and I agree with you, this does not look like an elite team. What we saw here was a team that can hang with anybody, but I don't know if that what we saw, and this is what Baltimore, I think, need to be looking for at this stage, is can we beat elite teams? And this was a home game against the Saints team where they limited their offense significantly and still couldn't come away with it. And yes, they were unlucky with the kick, but... You shouldn't be in that position. Like, you turn them over on that opening drive on that fourth down you mentioned. This is the kind of thing that you should be able to do to move forward. And what happened, I think, was critical. And this is why I don't think it's as positive as you do. This Baltimore team needs to control the clock to win games, and they did not. The Saints deliberately set out to out-clock control them, and Mm -hmm. they did it. And that's worrying if you're Baltimore because that's how you get beaten and that's how you lose these games. And to be honest, yes, it came down to that kick, but it wouldn't have the Saints hadn't made a poor decision on the opening drive. That commitment to ball control is something Baltimore need to do to beat good teams. And when they're, they can't do it, they're not going to be able to win these games moving forward. And that is, I think, a big concern coming out of this game. Yeah, because I think I remember saying to you while we were watching the game as well, like, I'm just not sure about what that Ravens running game is and how reliable it is. Terrible. And, like, that's the problem. Whenever you want to play a defense-heavy thing, like you're saying, you, you, you can't get away with that. So maybe that's something they need to look at potentially addressing before the, uh, before the trade deadline rolls in. Onto the neutral zone now, Carolina at Philadelphia. This one was uh, very exciting at the tail end of it, anyway. Uh, 70 to 21. This is a game of two absolute halves. Uh, Philadelphia were kicking the living shit out of the guys for the first like three quarters, essentially. I think it was like getting into the third quarter, uh, deep into it, maybe even towards the fourth when Philadelphia were ahead, essentially 17 to nothing. Uh, and then Carolina decided, oh, yes. This is a sport that we can play. Let's go and play it instead. Uh, Philadelphia were not strong in the second half. Carolina just started to turn on the Jets. So I think Carolina's um, scoring dr- or drives in this game were punt, 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 touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. Uh, like, that, yeah. is, that's, that is a marked difference in like in your performance and your efficiency at that point. Um, yeah, I don't know. Cliche. You don't win games in the first quarter. Yeah, but I th- I think you can. <laughs> but I don't. I, I'm I'm just very confused by what happened in this game because like Carolina were obviously able to do it. Was it just that like Philadelphia's defense got hella tired at the tail end, or was it that like it was a master plan that they would keep them within a certain distance and then strike when the time was just right? That this was this was Cam Newton's. Genius plan the whole way. Yeah, I know. Like, like I had this as my game of the week last week. I specifically talked about the fact that I didn't know what the identity of these two teams is. And considering that they basically had a Jekyll and Hyde performance on both sides, I'm not really that confident in that I'm any more the wiser. What either these? I know both of them are competitive teams. I know both of these teams will certainly probably be in the playoff hunt uh, come uh, you know December and, and early January, uh, but. What do these two teams do in a weekly, on like even a game, like within a game? Uh, it's not really known. Like the, the cliche in soccer is, it's a game of two halves. Like this is a ridiculous, like magnification of that. I suppose, like looking, like I'll probably just focus on uh, Carolina here. Like we know what Carolina did. Like what Carolina did in the fourth quarter is that obviously with the time remaining and the fact that they were seventeen nil down, um, they went seventeen nil. Uh, it's more of a soccer thing, but. Um, they obviously 
they went to a hurry up mode. They went to a hurry up offense. They spread out the field. They got Greg Olson involved. They got Devin Funches involved. Uh, you know, got McCaffrey involved in the passing game, and that seemed to really, I don't know, maybe take the Philadelphia Eagles by surprise, or maybe Philadelphia just aren't as good in the coverage linebacker area of dealing with a situation like that. I've just seen that Carolina, by sheer chance and, and football situation, happened upon something that worked really well against this defense in Philadelphia, uh, which makes sense. Like a hurry up gets you away from Fletcher Cox, and then just had enough, you know, gumption to put it through in the end. And obviously, you know, this isn't a good template into winning football games. <laughs> <laughs> what? Like a few of those for the Panthers this season, you I know, think. Defense doesn't win championship. You know, wins win championships. And I think in this case, Carolina did what they needed to do. They put it on Cam Newton's back. And in that, like in that last quarter, when Philadelphia had some chances to make offense, Luke Keekley just seemed to go like I don't know, Super Saiyan, and seemed to be everywhere, even yeah. worse than usual. And so that Philadelphia offense, which it looked okay in the first three quarters, just seemed to grind to a halt. So it's, it, it was a very unusual game. Uh, but you know, as a Carolina fan, you've kind of been winning games all like that all season. So you know, you're happy to take it away from home in a place like Philly uh, any day of the week. Yeah, no, of course. And this brings this drops really to three and four on the season, which uh, to 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 steal, I think a a a line that was used in absolutely every single terrible online sports journal, the Philly not so special question mark. Uh, this just doesn't feel like the same team from last year. We said that we wanted to see whether or not Wentz was able to kind of get it rolling again. Like, this was not a terrible performance from him. He actually had a pretty decent enough day. But then they just shut down in the second half, weren't able to do shit. And that's not what you... You can't get away with that in this We've league. We've seen this a few times in Philadelphia. Like, we saw it against Tennessee, for example. They just sort of forgot how to play football. The flaming thumbtacks. Like, yeah. Like this was just this is so this is just an f- incredibly frustrating game, and the thing is that Philly, I think, and this is weird because in the preview pods we talked about you know this team had a thing that worked last season, and if they keep doing more of the same, it's going to be successful because they have the talent, because they can do that rotation, because they can do that, and it's not. It's been figured out. Um, if you look at like what's happened with their run game, for example, it's been totally ineffective this season. Now, particularly with JJ gone, but even when he was here. There was nothing happening. Like, Wentz is having to do this by himself. And the defense is getting much more exposed than it was before. Um, it seems like their scheme and the way they play has... Pe- like, again, it's that year of take thing. And it's like a huge drop-off in efficiency because teams now know how to, to deal with them. And as with the Panthers had five yards passing in the second half net and 245... In, sorry, in the first half and 245 in the yeah. second half. And that's an indication that your team, your defense can only play one way. And when we saw it in the second half, we saw Newton running a bit more. We saw um, them stretching the field, as you said. We saw more like the kind of short plays and letting guys beat linebackers one-on-one. Was like getting Curtis Samuel involved, for example, and things like smaller, faster guys. Philly had absolutely no answer for that. And this is a team that I think has... I know the Super Bowl hangover is a cliche, but I think there is an element of when you've done something successfully, you want to keep doing that, but you can't let it stagnate. And I think what we're seeing in Philadelphia is stagnant. This is not the exciting football we saw from them. Forget about winning football. Compare watching them on the eye test to last season. This is a team that is struggling to move the ball. It is struggling to create separation. It is struggling on defense to create pressure and turnovers. Mm-hmm. And it's like, this is worrying. And this Eagles team is lucky that they're in such a messy, bad division right now. Because if they weren't, they could be effectively dead in the water. Yeah, and to be honest, if 
they were in any other division, they probably deserve to be a bit dead in the water after some of the performances they've put mm. in so far. Uh, they'll get a chance next week up against one of the teams that we're going to discuss now in the Dumpster Fire section. So uh, Dumpster Fire this week is Houston at Jacksonville. Houston 20, Jacksonville 7. Welcome back, AFC South. We've missed you. Called it. Uh, <laughs> I had this one as a, as a solo pick last week. Yeah. Um, good God. Uh, Texans are now leading the AFC South after starting 0-3. Um, they've still got massive problems with their O-line their defensive backs don't really have much going on Um, yeah like even Sean Watson who looked a bit better in this game has not been fantastic Um, did he though (laughs) pardon did he look better though well yeah I suppose this is is a terrible Jacksonville team at the moment I don't know what's happening here Blake Bortles decided to show us that like he can he can't just Bortles things up he can Bortles it squared or or maybe cubed even he uh, intercepted it twice fumbled twice He he didn't throw a single pick he didn't throw yeah. a single pick. He just fumbled. Cody Kessler threw a pick, though. Yeah, fumbled it twice. Uh, got benched for Cody Kessler, <laughs> which is uh, remarkable, really. Um, yeah, like, I... Uh, this was a terrible... I think we warned people last week this was going to be a terrible game of football to not bother watching it. Um, maybe Jacksonville now turn it around. They have their, like, Super Saiyan game next week where, like, it's been three bad games for Bortles and so now he breaks out. But basically every single, like long piece thinker that came out on 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 monday or tuesday was but jacksonville need to get rid of this guy jacksonville need to sort out the quarterback position as if you couldn't tell that like two years ago yeah like who gets paid to write these think pieces i just like i just don't get it is it like is there anything that they could do to turn this offense around is there anyone out there they could trade for is there anything like Jacksonville Jacksonville are clearly not working at the moment so what do you think they can do well I think this is this is the Carlos Hyde trade this is what it is they're trying to get somebody in to give a bit of help to um to, to, to Bortles and like we saw like Yeldon have a brutal a good game for the air but a brutal game on the ground this mm-hmm. week and the team just could not get the ball moving. And then we said, right, so Corey Grant is gone. Yeldon is, is still TJ Yeldon. He's had an okay season, but he's not going to do it. Fournette, as we mentioned earlier, we don't know what's going on. So this is kind of why they brought in Carlos Hyde. And I think long-term it's going to cause problems, but short-term it's like, okay, well, let's get a better running back and try and fix the problem. Now, I don't know if it's going to because the O-line isn't performing at all and the defense isn't performing at all. They can't get off the fucking field right now. Yeah. Um, it's like there's, and when you start look at the benching that happened for Kessler after the game, Marone was basically like, oh, I don't know why I did it. I just need to do something with this team. And it's like, yeah, but didn't he say, oh, I could have benched eleven dudes if I yeah. had enough backups. And it's like, okay, but that's not really inspiring coaching, is it? That you just you're you're sort of you're playing badly, so you just I don't know. Let's just throw in Cody fucking Kessler and see what happens. The the, the Nelson Muntz argument got got a nuke something. Got a nuke something exactly. It's like you, you you could have at least thought of an excuse after the game to be like, oh, we felt like you know maybe Cody gave us a better. It's like oh, I don't I don't know. I just needed to bench somebody, so mm. I guess I benched Blake, and he wasn't playing well. Like this is just this this team is so, and I think we we seen we see this with teams like this where there's that thing they talk also about swagger and momentum and all this kind of stuff. But there is an element of like, and I think a lot of it's bullshit. But there is an element of like cohesion. That teams like this, and we've seen it with the Panthers, for example, be a good example of this. When they're winning and things are going well, the personalities and culture that that team engenders breeds more success. Mm-hmm. Once the wheels start falling off, I think we're seeing this, that this team does not 
and this organization has not put this team into a place where it can deal with failure. And what we're seeing is we're seeing frustration, we're seeing players trying too hard to make things happen, mm-hmm. we're seeing a complete lack of imagination from the coaching staff and how to actually alleviate the situation. Yeah. And that, I think, is the underlying problem. So if this continues, the thing that's going to fix Jacksonville is not bringing Carlos Hyde, it's not having Leonard Fournette come back, it's probably not even changing quarterbacks. This is the coaching. This is a cultural issue. And I wonder if this is... I mean, this is old man Coughlin's thing. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that might work with players of a certain type, but you have to be aware of the type of players you're dealing with, the type of personalities, and the type of locker room you want to create. And you cannot successfully do that. So this is... If this doesn't fix it, this, this could be a season-long rot for Jacksonville, to be honest with you. They have so much talent, but something is just making that talent dysfunctional right now. Yeah, so I don't know. Uh, sorry, Jacksonville fans. Not the, uh, not the brightest look for you at the moment. Uh, hopefully Philly goes well. This Houston team fits. Now, they now lead the AFC South. They're, I think, a game and a half ahead because I think they've got the win over the next place team, I think. Um They've got they've got great skill position players. New Hopkins is fantastic. Uh, they're getting some production out of Lamar Miller. They've got pieces on that defense that are strong. Like their pass rush is good. Clowney had a good game, and Watt I think is tied for the sack lead at the moment. Like this is a team that has bits, but also has like giant gaping holes elsewhere. It's like kind of creating a character to have balance in some kind of video game, so they can't be too good at everything all at the same time. Do you think they can compete or do you think this is just going to be like the old AFC South of old where they're all just going to scrap, it's going to be a cripple fight and someone's going to emerge at like 8-7-1, and one, make it into the playoffs and then like with the exception of maybe meeting the Bengals lose? Jeez. Oh, <laughs> well, I think it beat the Bengals, but that's about it. <laughs> so, yeah, like this, this team, I, I don't think there's any, like unlike Jacksonville, which right now is a complete mystery and just a complete mess, I think Houston maybe have found comfort in the fact that their team is the highs are so understandably high and the lows are so understandably low. I think you can at least scheme around the fact that your secondary is headed up by Jonathan Joseph uh, and Tyron Matthew and some other random people that I presume who uh, hang around Houston for some reason. Um, uh, Bill O'Brien's mates probably. And then the offensive line, like where Central Henderson uh, and uh, is being swapped at right tackle with, with other players. Like basically, like they have a shitty O line, they have a shitty secondary. These are generally things which we consider killer, like you know, fatal flaws in a contender. But I think the things that are good about them, if they get really hot, if JJ Watt is JJ Watt, if like if if Javet Clarity wants to get paid a shit ton of money, and if Deshaun Watson he's been a bit up and down, if he hits into that kind of form we saw last season, sure, this is a team that could, due to the sheer force of will of those types of players could end doing doing something and if Lamar Miller can actually get 100 yards per game which would be a miracle to be honest and sure anything can happen uh, with this team I wouldn't bet on it certainly not yeah. you described there is probably what's going to happen but with players this good maybe they can drag this team into AFC contention uh, And but like at first they have to win this fucking division because right now it's such a bloody cripple fight that anything could happen between now and January yeah 100% uh yeah, just overall, two teams on a form. Like even even Houston winning this twenty to seven, it wasn't the particularly impressive twenty point win like, or thirteen point win over a divisional rival. So we'll uh, we'll move on and we'll have a look at some questions from you, the listeners. Okay, so the first one comes in from Ray, and it is: How can fans continue to support teams that are tanking? 
or essentially stripping themselves for parts or do you just focus on the future? So I suppose this is kind of talking about the Oakland Raiders. As we've mentioned, they've traded away Khalil Mack. They've just traded away uh, Manny Cooper. They uh, apparently have, is it Carl Joseph on the trading? Gary and Conley, I think. Gary and Conley as well. They've got a few pieces. Uh, there's obviously rumours swirling around Derek Carr as well. Um, then there's also teams like the Broncos who apparently reckon, because they, they don't think they're doing much this year, they've got pressure from some young guys behind. So they're offering a lot of different players up for trade. They've got some DBs and some wide receivers up uh, up available. There's a few, and then obviously there's a lot of discussion circling uh, Arizona about whether or not uh, they should just you know sell the farm because there's nothing happening there at all. Don't forget the Bills. Uh, I think if Bills? Trying out Derek Anderson isn't tanking, I don't know what it is. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. Um, but essentially, these these like how how do you deal being a fan of one of these franchises? Uh, I don't know to be honest. Oh, well, I think uh, your team's probably got the most recent super tank talent deficient season, the Matt Calatter, Matt Castle era. Yeah, but I, like that, we 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 didn't kind of go like right. We're just going to sell off talent mm. to pick up draft picks. Like they they you had like, no talent to sell. Yeah, they were like, they were misguided enough to think that like well, maybe this will work. <laughs> <laughs> Um, where like you know it's it is it is difficult to see as like I suppose I can see the thing like I like I said earlier on with the Raiders I can now see like while I think it's stupid to get rid of Khalil Mack and all that kind of stuff they now do have a shit ton of draft capital they can put a load of pieces together now interestingly enough yeah like they haven't had a great record with picking people in the draft I believe as franchises go they have the lowest percentage of players still on the roster from like the last five or six years of drafting but um, I think as a fan you just have to look at it and say if, if we if we keep our current talent and our front offices are terrible and stuff we won't be able to have a successful team anyway so we gotta put some faith in that front office I think there's an element of I think it works best, and I don't think this really covers off those teams, is when you have the kind of, like, suck-for-luck type thing. Like, when you know there's a tangible end point, like, you're, you know you there's see this coming yeah. that you can take. These teams, I don't, I don't even know what position these guys would take if they end up number one overall. There's so many mostly, leads. Mostly defensive line. This is the, the, I mean, people, it's not exciting, is it? No. So as a fan, I think it's difficult. I think as a fan, look, you're committed to your team. You're going you're gonna to stick through them with it if yeah. you're in any way a decent fan. But, oh, goodness. I mean, when there's no, like, defined end point to the misery. No. I mean, but then again, we could ask how Cleveland have any fans left at all at this stage. That's very true. I like, to, to be fair, the NFL... Like the variation from year to year is often related as much just to the, like it's such a random league because there's only 16 games that you know next year things can turn up. KKC's obviously an example of that. So if your coach is shit, like Arizona and Oakland, in my opinion, then you might be hoping that they get ditched and you can hopefully cheer for that perhaps. <laughs> uh, and if you're if you're okay with the head coach, you hope that you know there'll be development in your rookies and stuff like that. I think you know it's tough, but. Um, I think with the NFL, things can change around very quickly and not necessarily just due to an infusion of like first-round picks due to better coaching and better opportunities. So, you know, just keep the light going, you know? Yeah, and like that's the thing, like we, we look at certain teams and we can see like there are teams who have just incredible draft classes and they can help turn things around. Like that Saints defense was essentially turned around by just picking two or three good players in the, in, in, in the draft last year and that's solidifying a lot of positions for them. So you can get very quick turnarounds uh, in spots. Uh, the only downside is, as you're saying, hoping for, for, for coaches to go, I believe the first break clause in Gruden's contract is five years in and I think they still have to pay him a lump of the money if they do it at that point. Um, 
But yeah, the, the the one plus I'd say on something something like the Gruden one is at least you know this is a this is a move they're making with like a long term vision in place. We don't know what that vision is and whether or not like you know let's get back to good old nineteen ninety six football is a vision that can succeed. But it's a vision. Uh, they've got something going for them rather than floating around like certain franchises like say the Browns have for the last number of years. Uh, next one comes in as you can imagine we are a week away from the trade deadline so a lot of this is coming in around the trade so um, Michael asks what's your surprise big trade before the deadline of October 31st well it's actually October 30th but yes I get what he means who do we think uh, would be a big trade you could see happening that you would like to see happening or you think it would be fun if it was happening before then I would like to see Jacksonville trade one of their defensive stars, Calais Campbell's an obvious one, someone coming towards near the end of his contract, very expensive, to the Saints for Teddy Bridgewater. Maybe throw in a pick or two to kind of... Oh! Uh, I think Jacksonville, like, you know, like, uh, I think the Saints, as we said, are a win-now mode. Obviously, they're sorted on their offense. Calais Campbell adding to that, like, uh, along with Cam Jordan and Marcus Davenport, that defense can go from being good and improving to being elite with someone like Calais Campbell. Hmm. Jacksonville, they need a quarterback right now because you know those rookie deals that they're kind of relying on uh, are going to be up for you know, renewal very soon. So they need a quarterback right now who is good at football. And Teddy Bridgewater is an intriguing decision. It'd be interesting to see which picks would have to go either way to kind of make it work. But mm-hmm. two players going back—that's the important bit. That would be really interesting to see. Yeah, and um, obviously I'm going to go for the one that's been rumored. I don't think it's actually going to happen, which is. Uh, Patrick Peterson to the Kansas City Chiefs. Give him a first-round pick for him. I'm fine with that. Uh, he's got three years, well, two and a half years of his contract left. He is a top three, let's say, quarterback in the league. We can afford him on our current cap situation as, this, as it stands. We'd have him for the next two years, averaging out at about $11 million for the next two years under that contract. That means that we have him under contract for the rest of Mahomes' rookie deal as well, which works very nicely. He gets to play in a contender. We have a position of needed cornerback, and we also it will provide stability over the next two years as we're probably going to be drafting in and trying to train up a few new guys to go and step into those positions. He's also, and this is key given like what we've seen out of Barry for the last two years and Houston since he got his deal he is rare he's a very good injury history he doesn't tend to miss a huge amount of games so that's something that I I value quite highly Uh, so I think they could use the piece or even possibly something along the lines of give him a second round pick and like a young receiver who's still on a uh, on a deal or something that they can use like that to give them something to try and make life a little bit less murdery for their uh, rookie uh, quarterback there yeah, I, I I didn't actually I didn't actually look in the mailbag before we started the podcast. So I, <laughs> I, I'm a little blindsided by this one, so I've just written down Cleveland Browns trade a first round pick for Josh Gordon. But uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here's one. Uh, if we're talking about um, Arizona being in the tank and useless, I want to see the Green Bay Packers give up a shitload of picks for David Johnson. <laughs> I'm serious. The yeah. run game there is three nobodies. Aaron Rodgers is having to do it all by himself, and we've seen the problems that have come from that this season of winnable games. Like, well, not even winnable games. I mean, games that wouldn't be winnable without Aaron Rodgers, but are winnable, being lost. They're in a very close fight in that division right now. All four teams look pretty solid and are very close in their records. Um, they need to get ahead of the Vikings. They need something that can take the pressure of Aaron Rodgers. Why not go out and get a piece that not only allows you to do that, but allows you to completely change the way you play football yep. by having one of the best running backs in the game paired with one of the best quarterbacks in the game. David Johnson will not be tremendously expensive in the uh, immediate, 
And I mean, you can take a rental to go for a championship. Yeah, because I think he's got because he got an extension over the off season, yeah. didn't he? So he's yeah, on for three years. years. Yeah. So that means that like he's not tremendously expensive. No, he's not. He's, 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 av- he's averaging what about ten so, or eleven million yeah. as well. Arizona have no chance. They would. They're they have to rebuild, and it's like you can give up. You don't need an elite. You you can't rebuild around an elite running back, right? It's not essential. There are so many bigger needs on that team, and they're totally wasting him. Yeah. So why not go out and trade him to a contender who'll give you a shit ton of draft capital? For him, go and focus on rebuilding your team in the next two, three, four years. How much draft capital do you think they oh, need God to loads. get off, though? Oh god, loads! But that's the thing. Green Bay, like I, I know it's against their philosophy or whatever, but like this is, this is this is the thing. It's like that window on Rodgers is closing. It is like we've seen the injuries pile up on him, despite his talent. But it, like you, go ahead. Yeah, my point is this is this is the kind of season where you're in. You you may miss the playoffs this season. Yeah, you can't afford to keep doing that as a front office or a head coach. Why not go and make this happen? But what about the idea of hold on to all that draft capital, use it to make your overall roster cheaper, and just get Levy and Bell in the off season, and then you've got an even better running back sitting there behind him. You can afford the extra four million a year, say, on a three. Yeah, that's not deal. fun, is it? <laughs> I don't know. Aaron Rodgers and Levy on Bell play together would be pretty oh, fucking yeah, but, I mean, fun to watch. Creating that position, we're going to draft like seventy-two mediocre white linebackers. Yeah, that's true, yeah. If we're if we're stripping down Arizona, just a fun one. It would never happen. <laughs> Could happen. New England trade back to get Chandler Jones. Yeah, I'd love that. Oh wow, I love that'd, that. be, that'd be pretty sweet. But, <laughs> it would never happen, which means it could happen. Yeah, yeah. it sounds, sounds just about right. Um, yeah, the one I don't want to see happen is apparently the Pats have been sniffing around Pat Peterson. <laughs> it's like Jesus Christ, no, please, that no. Be, I don't so, know afford him. Some, somehow he'll 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 take an agreement that he'll now play for a vet minimum, and you only have to give up conditional seven. Some <laughs> shit like that. Probably, yeah. But then, like his wife suddenly becomes like executive VP of marketing for Crafts Industries or something like no, that. No, no, no. He's far more as a Carlos Guerrero now. Yeah, no, fair enough. Uh, so yeah, I hope that clears up a few of those those great trade ideas. Definitely going to happen. And um, we'll move on to the picks for next week. Okay, so first up we have Miami at Houston, the Thursday night football game. Don't watch it if you like your eyeballs. Uh, We're going for Houston across the board because Houston looked okay last week. They're at home. It's a Thursday night. Miami are shit and are currently having to activate a player who wants them to fire him. So I don't have high expectations for them. Philadelphia, Jacksonville. I've gone for Philly. Fitz has gone for Philly. Harry's gone for Jacksonville. Tell us why. Yeah, I've just spent the last uh, early part of the podcast telling why the Jags are trash and will continue to be trash and will never succeed. This is just one of those ones that screams fucking trap game all over it. Like, Philly are all over the fucking place at the moment. They lost to the fucking Titans. Mm-hmm. They are not good. They got out of Jacksonville. If it's a hot day, this is the kind of game you do not want to be in. Jacksonville are going to be in absolute fucking desperation at this point to get something going. Um, this this is just one of those things that it just feels like a trap game it feels like it's too easy it's set up too much for a bounce back for Philly I think they're going to come in to this in a really weird spot given that what happened to them and I just think Jacksonville are going to take it and I think Carlos Hyde's going to look good yeah well I, it appears that the Chiefs broke the Jacksonville Jaguars spirit and they are now just like racing downhill and we're going to ride that lightning until they prove us otherwise Philadelphia all the way Baltimore, Carolina we've gone for Baltimore across the board Fitz yeah, I just think we think Baltimore are just a more consistent unit. Like, it's Carolina at home. They've obviously shown, at points, really good football. So it wouldn't be a shock to see Carolina win. But I think we just kind of trust this Baltimore unit over the course of this season. And if they are to make the playoffs and compete in the AFC North, they need to win games like this on the on the road. 
so Baltimore for the win here. Yeah, 100%. Uh, Denver at Kansas City. We've gone for Kansas City across the board. Kansas City are looking very hot at the moment. Uh, defense seems to be rounding a bit. Some pieces like Dorian O'Daniel getting to play last week actually made their defense look halfway decent. They scored 14 points in fantasy for me. Woohoo! Denver are currently trying to sell off every piece that they have that is of any worth whatsoever. Swag Kelly, the great white saviour, is now gone, so they don't stand a chance. He was their only hope. Oh, God, that's good. Uh, next up is Harry's pick of the week. Cleveland oh, God, at it? Pittsburgh. Yeah, uh, I, I've yeah. gone for Pittsburgh. Fitz has gone for Pittsburgh. And Harry has gone for tie part two, electric boogaloo, another tie game. Yeah, uh, this is only my game of the week because you took the only two good games. <laughs> um, oh, my goodness. This is going to be... This is going to be interesting, I think. Um, Cleveland look... We saw it's weird because we seem to look like really good in defeat, and now they seem to be just terrible. Like they looked so bad last week in so many places. Fire Hugh Jackson, Todd Haley revenge game. This is exactly it. Like this is Hugh Jackson's last stand, to be honest with you. Let's see what he's if he's got any interest in keeping his fucking job. <laughs> it's you know that it's a rivalry game or whatever. It's in Pittsburgh where. Again, it, 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 that stadium, this time of year, you've got high winds, you often have inclement weather, it makes games difficult to play, probably not as difficult as we saw in the first yeah. you know, first meeting between the two, but it, there's likely to be difficult conditions. Pittsburgh are coming into form a bit, but are still a tremendously flaky team that have a tendency to play down to their opponents, and this is a Cleveland team that need to fucking win. So I think this is going to be interesting, I think this is going to be fun, I think this is going to be kind of a... This is it. This is the last. This is the last. Can Hugh Jackson? Does Hugh Jackson have anything left to deliver in this league? And we're going to see it here. I picked a tie because I think that would be like the most Hugh Jackson way to go out. Oh yeah, would be tying with the Steelers in Pittsburgh. Um, yeah, I just I don't. I think this is going to be a fun game, basically, and I want to see it. I want to see what Cleveland have. I want to see if they can get that young offense firing and match up that defense, which is still so good and is so underutilized by its shitty coordinator and its dumb head coach. Yeah, they are currently leading the league in turnovers and last in the league in turnover points scored. I think yeah. they are minus 14 in that, uh, even though they are plus 20. Basically. Um, Seattle at Detroit is Ronan's game of the week. I've gone for Seattle. Harry's gone for Seattle. And Fitz has gone for Detroit. Whoa! Trader, I think Harry should say here, here, but he already used that. But uh, yeah, like uh, this is uh, the classic fizzle picks: two teams competing, you know, marginally playoff teams. Uh, see who can prove that they are actually worthy of the playoffs uh, situation. Except this week, it involves my own team, my beloved Seahawks. Uh, I'm picking against them here, but I don't think anyone considers this to be like a very predictable game either way. We're all expecting this to be a close and interesting game. Obviously, we have Detroit, a team which. Like it's deep, their defense has been not great to be honest mostly this season it hasn't been terrible it's just been okay whereas their offense has turned a bit interesting we know the strength of their offense is obviously Matt Stafford in conjunction with that wide receiver room um, with Galladay Tate and Marvin Jones uh, especially Galladay who's having a breakout season but you know recently they've managed to get on Johnson going a couple of hundred yard gains already this season. Mm. Uh, they still try to keep making the Garrett Blunt happen, like just keep him for the goal line. That's all he's good for. And uh, they, but they, they um, like, like that. I think they, you know, Carryon Johnson. He got a hundred yards for you. Keep running it with him. Um, Seattle will be a big test for them because Seattle's run defense is pretty good with Jaron Reed up the middle. Uh, but then on the Seattle side, obviously we know the Seattle offense right now is run, 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 run. And Detroit has one of the worst run defenses in the league statistically. So it'll be interesting to see whether they just continue to run the same offense. I imagine so. Brian Schottmeyer doesn't seem like a very uh, imaginative guy, to be honest. So you have 
like a, a young Seattle secondary that Detroit they could take advantage of. You have a weak run defense that Seattle can take advantage of. So this could actually end up being a, a, a surprisingly high scoring game. Mm-hmm. If it happens then really anything could happen. But I just think in a high scoring game, Detroit have that little bit extra edge to kind of do more there, and that's why I've given them there. Also, they're at home, so that's usually a good way of picking a 50-50 game. Very good. So, uh, it should be an interesting game between two teams who, if they go on a run, could be very interesting come January. Yeah, no, of course. Next up is Tampa Bay at Cincinnati. We've gone for Cincinnati across the board, even though they got the shit kicked out of them by the Chiefs last week. Tampa Bay are brutal. Uh, Cincinnati have good pieces. Uh, they should be able to get it done against a weak Tampa Bay secondary. This time missing probably their most important linebacker. Like, yeah, fuck it. Uh, also, yeah, like Cincinnati, go after Jameis Winston. He is scum. Uh, New York Jets at Chicago. We've gone for Chicago across the board. Yeah, like I think Chicago, I think there's just more talent in that team overall. The Jets are obviously a rebuilding team and they're dealing with a lot of injuries on their offense in particular. Um, I, I wouldn't count them out completely, but I think Chicago at home have generally been pretty solid and against a middling team like New, New York Jets. They should have that extra level that the, you know, the, like the Patriots maybe have had over. Um, so it'll be interesting to see whether Mitch Titties has a good game or not because he's kind of been really good recently and whether that continues to be yeah be interesting to see uh, we've got the Mazungus at the New York Giants so this is the game where Eli Manning is, he's one of the few quarterbacks in the league who looks at Alex Smith and goes man that's a hose uh, we're going Washington across the board Harry yeah I mean the Giants are terrible uh, are just a terrible terrible team Washington have looked pretty alright over the last few weeks probably means for a disappointing loss but um, they just look top to bottom a better team right now than, yeah. than the Giants, even with all the problems Washington are having. Yeah, Peterson is running the ball extremely well of late. Uh, Indianapolis at Oakland. Uh, I was very, I was so tempted to take Oakland just to be like, just so you can finally use the like the phrase addition by subtraction, and it would like really, really mean something. But we couldn't do it. Indianapolis across the board fits. Yeah, I think Oakland are just such a dumpster fire right now that Indianapolis, despite all the injuries, they're getting people back like T. Y. Hilton, Marlon Mack that I think they're a team who's going to get better and in the AFC side they still have something to play for whereas Oakland are dipping the water and just oh, so bad so bad yeah they're just they're, they're literally just trying to sell off anything that they have of value not unlike Denver uh, next up San Fran at Arizona I've gone for San Fran I suppose uh, <laughs> you guys have gone for Arizona uh, basic reasoning for me is uh, San Fran looked okay Arizona don't seem to have a clue what they're going to do and I imagine they're going to have sold four or five of their key pieces by the time this game rolls around um, why Arizona is it just because they won the last time as a bit of that but I always think there's like it's a new coordinator I think we often see a sort of bump in that first game where it's unpredictable and the team don't really, the opposing team often don't know what to expect um, so in a battle between two like quite bad teams to be honest with you I'm inclined to go with Arizona at home Actually, with something a little bit different that San Fran might not be ready for you know what you're right I'm going to swap that one because that is just yeah this is this is again not a game to watch no not a game yeah. to watch and the 49ers are, are slowly falling apart like right now with injuries it's just I don't know yeah. they have they have almost nothing left like, I mean they were like oh yeah Matt Breed is the future at running back and now he's had what his fifth season ending injury fumbled but he's back again so it's all good uh, next up is my pick of the week it's Green Bay at the LA Rams uh, we've gone for the Rams across the board this should be a very exciting game Rams look unstoppable at the moment uh, when their passing game isn't going to get done their running game is and vice versa their defence has been playing very well their corners seem to be coming back from injury a bit so that's a plus for them as well uh, this Green Bay team is obviously looking to make it strong 
stride towards the playoffs uh, as as we said, there's a strong chance they might have David Johnson running for them this game, so that'll be uh, that'll be an excellent development for them. Uh, but yeah, this will be one where Aaron Rodgers will be the type of quarterback who will be able to try and put some pressure on them. He has very, very good connection with all of his wide receivers, but I got to feel that this Rams team is just too complete and can just continue to put up points. So things like the lack of development in the running game for Green Bay will start to show up. The slight kind of the improvements on defense, but still not an excellent defense will be will be found out. So uh, this will be a very exciting game to watch and I look forward to seeing it, but Rams across the board. Next up, New Orleans at Minnesota. We have gone for New Orleans across the board. Fitz? Yeah, like obviously, as I've said, Many times over the last few weeks, New Orleans, I'm really high on them. They showed some really tough play on the road against a really good defense in Baltimore. Minnesota, Javier Rhodes might miss this game. Their secondary is vulnerable. And I think a vulnerable secondary against Drew Brees is always liable to give them a lot of points. And while Kirk Cousins playing out of his mind, I just think Kirk Cousins versus Drew Brees, give me Drew Brees every time. 100%. And finally, uh, the, the monster matchup on Monday Night Football, New England... <laughs> At Buffalo, uh, we've Long. gone for Buffalo across the bo- no New England across the board. Uh, Harry, uh, yeah. yeah, look, I mean, God bless, God bless Derek Anderson. They'll try, they'll try. God bless him. Oh my, that is, uh, yeah, that's going to be rough. That ugly, is going to be rough. Ugly game. Um, prime time games, like, why is this not flexed out of fucking prime? Time? Well, because they, they can't flex out of prime time. Yeah, they can only Monday. flex. Oh, it's Monday. It's Monday, not yeah. Sunday. Sorry, it's yeah. Monday, not Sunday. My bad. And that's something I like about New Orleans. They should Minnesota fucking be able to flex these out of Monday. Yeah. I can tell you what, a lot of garbage. Yeah, Jesus. it's awful. Uh, but yeah, so I suppose it'll wrap up uh, for those bits. Any crack for the rest of the week, boys? I said the old jazz festival is all going down in Cork, and then Bank Holiday weekend here in Ireland. Yeah. So. I can't do. Yeah, keep in a few days. Well, cans, cans, cans. Let's, let's, let's. Yeah, I'm going. Uh, can go vote on Friday and then head down to Kerry Friday around lunchtime and then uh, the wife's dad is getting uh, uh, ordained as a deacon. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. So we're having that so we'll go out for a nice country meal uh, and then come back on Sunday night at some point and then uh, yeah, go see Magnus Parade and do some Halloween bits on the Monday and chill out. Um, so that'll be fun yourself Harry nothing too wild or crazy uh, no I'd probably be at a Halloween party on the weekend I'd say um, I feel like there's one but I can't remember where oh uh, the lads down on Gascoigne Court actually uh, yeah no nothing else wild or crazy so as, as always fire us up online if you want to get your questions read out in the pod uh, or laugh at us and not used we are a cruel master um, yeah we've got I suppose Facebook uh, Twitter all those other ones uh we are well. No, we, we closed down the J date. Um, yeah, there was anybody profile. on it? Yeah, there was, there was, there was oh, <laughs> six people in all of Ireland. Not not a big pool there. They wanted us to meet their mothers. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. Uh, so yeah, uh, I suppose just hit us up if you have any questions. Uh, but that's it for me. Unless there's anything you guys want to say? No. So it's goodbye for me. Goodbye for Mary. Goodbye. Goodbye from Ronan. Bye. This has been all four quarters. Thanks very much for listening, and we'll chat to you next week. Bye.